I'm Denise. She's a non-fiction editor. And I'm Louise. She's a fiction editor. And together, we're the Editing Podcast. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Editing Podcast. So this time around, we're going to be talking about marketing overwhelm and how to help you overcome it. Yes, we are. Now, Louise and I love the marketing side of running we do, we do business, <laughs> yes. but we're well aware that lots of our editor and proofreader pals just don't feel the same way at all. Yeah, some of you loathe it with a passion. And what we've come to realise is that it's really about competence because there are plenty of resources um, out there with, with guidance. It's, it's about fear of the unknown, and that's definitely a factor. I think a lot of editors feel like they're stepping out of their comfort zone when it comes to self-promotion, don't they? Yeah, oh, definitely, yeah. And, and it's not a surprise, really. I suspect uh, that most people enter a profession having never had to think about how to actually get work. Uh, Once upon a time, I was a physio in the NHS and I didn't have to worry about how my ideal clients were going to find me. Exactly. You were focused on doing the bit of physiotherapy. And that's the place most editors and proofreaders want to be, focusing on doing the text improvement. And yet the fact is, when you run your own business, you have two jobs, the work you do and the work you do to get the work you do. Yep. And there's absolutely no way around that. It doesn't matter who your clients are. When we're self-employed, we have to take responsibility for this stuff, even if we'd rather not. Yes, like invoicing or setting yourself up with a computer or organising your own training. Marketing is just another thing on the list that has to be tackled. And it's not just about the comfort zone issue, though, is it? No, no, it's it's also the fitting in of that marketing into the business schedule that can feel overwhelming, especially when you see other people doing stuff. Yeah. So why don't we give a quick summary of the three tips we're going to offer in this episode? It is a topic we'll return to again, but there's a lot to say and we don't want to overwhelm people with our advice on how to overcome <laughs> overwhelm. <laughs> no, that would never do. <laughs> yeah. so, OK, then. Well, today we're going to focus on the following. First of all, allowing yourself to be an imperfect marketer. Secondly, concentrating on your own marketing rather than comparing yourself with everyone else. And third, following your own path and developing a strategy that's appropriate for you, even if other people are doing things differently. Yeah. So let's start with the imperfect marketer tactic, because I think this is um, where a lot of problems stem from. And some editors are almost suffocated by perfectionism. Mm. Maybe it's because our job is so centred around the mindset of improvement and because we've devoted so much time and effort into making sure our editor editorial skills are top notch. And that um, being in that space of, of, of letting things go a bit feels alien, that promotional space and, and sets alarm bells ringing. Yeah, I think they can start thinking, well, I don't have any experience of this and I'm not going to be able to mm. do it well or properly. So it's best if I just don't do it. And yeah. and then a horrible kind of inertia sets in and it can be absolutely paralyzing for some people. And it means that nothing gets done. So if these issues of perfectionism and inertia are making you feel overwhelmed, think about this. So first of all, it's ideal if you promote your business consistently and regularly. That's true. But it's better to market your business sporadically than not at all. Yep. And it's ideal to have, for example, a complete LinkedIn profile. But it's better to have a partial LinkedIn profile than none at all. It's ideal to have testimonials on each page of your website. But it's better to have a website with no testimonials than no website at all. 
And it's ideal to have a professional headshot on your website and social media profiles, but a cropped holiday snap that shows off your smile is better than no photo at all. Yeah. And if you have an editorial blog, it's ideal to have a blog banner that identifies the space for what it is. But it's better to have a blog without a banner than a blog already populated with amazing content, but that you haven't published because you can't decide what the banner should look like. <laughs> so look, if you're an editor or proofreader who finds yourself falling into this trap, please give yourself a break. Absolutely. Everyone else will. Social media yeah. profiles can be tweaked, banners can be uploaded, testimonials can be added and headshots can be updated. In fact, everything about your marketing strategy can be amended, deleted or completely rethought whenever you wish. Yeah. And ask yourself this. When you edit for a client, do you guarantee perfection? Do you think that's even possible? I don't. Louise doesn't. And one reason for this is because much of what we do depends on brief, style, preference and voice. Editing work isn't an exact science. And the good news is this, effective marketing isn't an exact science either. I mean, Denise, how many times have you and me chatted about marketing and about the different things we're going to try, but haven't quite got round to? <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> I have lost count. So uh, take me, my new website isn't perfect. There's still stuff I need to add and tweak and upload. It's a work in progress, but I can't let that stop me because I'm okay with it not being perfect. Mm. I'll get there when I get there. The important thing is that I chip away at it rather than ignoring it completely. And I've gone from blogging weekly to fortnightly on occasion because of the amount of client work I've got on and other demands in my schedule. But I can't let that stop me because it's OK to change my mind and do less than I thought I'd be doing. And so our first tip on how to overcome overwhelm <clears> is this. You do not have to do it perfectly. You just have to do it. And yes, I know that sounds a bit Nike, <laughs> but that's just it. Just start. <laughs> At the beginning, that, that first letter to a publisher, that first tweet, that first social media profile, first blog post or resource, even that first advert. And treat your own imperfection in the way you treat others' imperfection. Think about this. Would you dream of emailing Denise and saying, I notice you haven't uploaded a lead magnet to your homepage yet. You really <laughs> shouldn't have launched your new website about that, without that. Of course you wouldn't. I know. And would you dream of emailing Louise and saying, I'm just getting in touch to let you know that you're letting yourself down by not blogging as regularly as you did this time last year? Would you? Of course you wouldn't. You wouldn't dare. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So be kind to yourself. Get your marketing started and show yourself the same grace you show everyone else in your, in, in your life who you love or like or respect. Do your marketing, but allow yourself to be imperfect with it. Good God, I know I do. <laughs> Me too. Life is just too short to be beating ourselves up because we're not being perfect. Right. Okay then, so tip number two. Well, this one is about concentrating on your own marketing rather than comparing yourself with everyone else. And the thing is this, it is so easy to look at our colleagues and think everyone else is doing way more than me. And it might look like that, but the reality is probably different. No, not probably. I'd go further. Mm. I'd yeah. say that in 99% of cases, someone isn't doing more than you. I really agree with that. And it's completely about a misunderstanding. So I've lost count of the times an editor colleague has told me, I know how hard you work on your marketing. I can tell by how many posts you write and share on LinkedIn each day. Now, I tend to share about five blog articles a day on Facebook, LinkedIn and Twitter. Not every day because I'm not perfect and sometimes I don't get round to sorting things out. Like we talked about in tip one. 
<laughs> exactly. So that's roughly 35 posts going out uh, on social media shares of my blog content every week across those three platforms. But I write one post a week, just one. Well, at the moment, I'm writing one every two weeks. <laughs> so the new post is something I'll share when it's published on a Monday. But the other 35 are reshares of older blog articles, stuff you've already written, but that you hope that the community will be interested in if they miss them the first time round. And people might well have missed them. Tweets and posts on Facebook are more likely to be missed than seen on busy social feeds with ever-changing algorithms. That's why many editors reshare their older content. Yeah, yeah. Plus, those of us who have been blogging for a few years have a lot of content banked, which means we have plenty to share. But if you're starting out on your blogging journey, you'll have a smaller bank. And that's absolutely fine. It's mm. not a numbers game. It's a content delivery game. If you have older posts, reshare them. If you don't, wait until you do and then reshare. Yeah. And if you'd rather write an article every two weeks or once a month or once every two months, that's your choice too. It doesn't matter if Louise is sharing 35 articles and you're sharing two or five or whatever. It's irrelevant. Yep. All that matters is that you're delivering articles that will solve your clients and colleagues' problems and making business your business more visible. Don't waste precious time worrying about my 35. Those are mine for me to worry about. Yeah, all you need to think about are just how to promote your two or five or whatever posts, because those are what will drive tra traffic to your website. So just to recap, tip number two is focus on delivery, not numerical comparisons. And that's and all that's relevant is 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 what you do for your business. So our final tip is about following your own path. Yeah. So the perception is this. Some editors don't do any marketing, but have loads of work anyway. Now, that's a problematic way of thinking because it might seem that way, but it's probably not. And that's because marketing has many faces. Yeah. So remember my 35 blog post shares. Those are part of a strategy to make me discoverable online and appealing to self-publishing authors of fiction. What I do with my blog is a very visible form of marketing because the international editorial community is active on social media and I use social media as one delivery tool for my content. But what if an editor has a different target client base? So look at me, I'm a non-fiction copy editor and proofreader, and one of my specialisms is educational textbooks. My primary client base for this type of work is publishers. And so when I was first trying to get work in this field, I took a very different approach to Louise. I sent introduction emails to several publishers that I wasn't yet working with. I sent a bunch of hello, how are you emails to five presses who I'd worked with in the past, but whose radars I'd slipped off. And I tweaked my then SFEP directory entry, now the CIEP, to make sure it reflected my specialism. Yeah, none of that marketing stuff that you did was tweeted, liked, shared or commented on. No one knew you, what you were up to, did they? And yet it was perfectly <laughs> targeted promotion at one of your perfect clients and worth every minute you spent on it. That's just it. And yet, like you say, Louise, it was invisible to the outside world. And it's a good reminder that what one editor does to put themselves in front of potential clients won't necessarily mirror what another is doing. Yeah. And an editor whose schedule is full, but who doesn't appear to be busy with marketing is likely promoting their services in less visible, but just as powerful ways. And that has to be the case. But none of us, because none of us is handed work, are we? We have to find it or we have to enable it to find us one way or another. 
So perhaps the marketing work you need to do isn't blogging or podcasting or tweeting or chatting. Maybe it's about making a telephone call or attending a networking group or writing an email. Or sending a letter or advertising in appropriate spaces or speaking at an, an, an event. And so follow your own path. Marketing doesn't have to be shiny and out there. Good marketing focuses on your business and your clients, not what you, Louise, or me, or any of your other colleagues are doing. Looking at what others are doing is useful if it inspires you, but if it's stalling you and making you feel like you're not cutting the mustard, pull back, take a breath, and ask yourself this. Do you think I'm spending a lot of time thinking about what you're doing as part of your marketing <laughs> strategy? Do you think Denise is wondering about what you're up to? I'm not, she's not. Nope, sorry, we're not. <laughs> we're focusing on ourselves. <laughs> and you should focus on yourself too. Yeah. And that's not to say that you can't get ideas from colleagues. And I would definitely recommend Louise's book, Marketing Your Editing and Proofreading Business. When I started out, that was my go-to book. And it's what I used to settle myself into marketing and get my head around what to do. But in my own time and in my own way, and there are lots of different ideas in there that you can use depending on who your ideal clients are. Denise, I remember you getting in touch with me about that. Um, we didn't know each other back then very well. And you emailed me because something had gone wrong with the PDF file um, that Amazon was holding. And while it looked OK at my end, some of the headings at the back had all turned into wingdings. Oh, I remember that. Yes, I did not know you then. And it was like, oh, my gosh, do I, uh, do I get in touch and tell her or will she be really offended? Um, so that was a very tentative and probably extremely polite email that I sent you. Yeah, I've still, I've still got my copy of the book and all the post-it notes on the pages that had been affected. Yeah, who'd, who'd have thought we'd be here six years later doing a podcast together? And that's actually a good reminder to end on because that imperfection in my own marketing book led to first contact and to oh. a wonderful collaborative relationship. But oh. it didn't happen overnight. No, nope. it was a journey, like all marketing is. Every part of our editing bus. Um, businesses one thing leads to another thing which leads to another thing and before you know it you're talking into a mic <laughs> so, so remember that it's okay to be imperfect and it's okay to concentrate on your own results rather than everyone else's and it's okay to follow your own path but do do it one way or another because only good things will come of it we promise we do so that's it for this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. You can rate, review and subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or whichever platform you prefer. Yes, thanks so much for listening to the Editing Podcast. She's been Denise. And she's been Louise. Join us again soon. Bye. Bye. I always wave at the end. <laughs> you do not I wave too. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. I didn't know you waved. We're waving at each other in the dark. I know. We're <laughs> waving at our listeners in the dark. Oh, so we are. <laughs> <laughs>